Amen. Amen. God is amazing. I was going to say God is good, but he's amazing. He's awesome. Amen. Woo, yes. Fantastic. Uh, I wasn't going to go there this morning. And now I've used, now I got to shift. But I'm not really shifting because I'm, I'm going to Hebrews 12. And I want to read Hebrews 12. Talking about faith. Faith. What is faith, first of all? And I'll, I'll read it from the, con- the, the J- Strong's Concordance. So that I don't misquote anything. Conviction of the truth. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Thank you. That's awesome. That was Jack. God is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Amen. We got a preacher in the making back there. Woo. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So our conviction of Jesus, the author, the finisher. So our conviction is literally our persuasion, our conviction, our confidence, our trust. When you see those words in Scripture, you can basically backtrack them to faith. The conviction that God exists, that he's the creator. The conviction, the belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God. So I want to read chapter, verses 1 in chapter 12. I'm going to go through a few verses and then. Uh, Cora, do you have that slide I talked about last week? I never got to it. Okay. We're going to use that one. But we're going to start Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's King James. I, just so you're aware, Cora and everybody. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. The race, I want to talk about that word, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradictions contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be weary and faint in your minds now i underline that because i want to double back around to the fact let lest you be weary in your mind so just keep that thought in your mind and we'll return to mind hopefully in about 10 minutes you're gonna uh, i have a business uh, colleague that I'll, he, he always uses the word circle back. So let's circle back to where we were. Let's circle back. So in about 10 minutes, we're going to circle back and catch it by surprise. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I, you know what? I just get up here and I want to have fun. So because God's word is amazing and I'm excited and I love God's word. And uh, 
I hope maybe some of that just rubs off on you a little bit. The word race, it comes from the Greek word that is agon, A-G-O-N. And guess what English word comes from agon? Agony. Woo! How many of you sometimes feel like, yeah, that's my life? <laughs> But the, wor the word race isn't just some, you know, whoo, we're just running along. It's, uh, where's that, if you want to throw that slide up. Pastor David preached, uh, we, and we all kind of joined in. We start, and we want to go from A to B. And I don't know about you, I, I started my married life, and my wife and I had some awesome plans for our life. A to B. And it was a nice straight line. Until, yeah, <laughs> till it wasn't. And we don't have time for all of that. But the Greek word agon means it's literally, if, if you remember, the Greek um, nation came up with the idea of the Olympics. And at first there was a running race and a wrestling. Okay, keep that in mind. And it, it wasn't what we see today, all the pageantry. It was really contests to see who could endure who had strength and that was their word agon so when paul not not paul sorry wasn't paul the writer we don't know who the writer of hebrews is just before i before i misstep and somebody just turns their computer off and say this guy thinks paul wrote hebrews holy mackerel holy mackerel <laughs> Wow, I'm getting in more trouble. But, oh, my, we're going to turn him off because he thinks Paul wrote Hebrews. Okay, it's not Paul. I don't think. I'm not sure. Nobody's sure. When, when the writer <laughs> used the word agon, he was thinking not of just this nice little 100-yard sprint. He was thinking about this contest of strife, of hardships, and literally, if you wanted to finish and be the winner who took the gold medal, you needed to work at it. You had to endure. You had to be strong in your mind to overcome the situations you were faced with. Literally, the word agon is used when Paul, this time, writes, I have run my course, I have finished my race. And then it's used when he's talking to Timothy to say, fight the good agon. Fight the good fight. It, now, that's a great way to start our, my sermon, is life is a fight. And that is why we need faith. Faith, as we heard last week, unlocks the door of grace into our lives. And grace is the power to overcome. When we're faced with situations and challenges, we need that anchor. We need that anchor. And that anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ, who by faith we hold on to, we cling to. We are saved. And it's, and it's during those times, um, 
where, you know what, we want to give up. I don't know if you've ever been there. And it's like so challenging. So challenging. Because this contest is hard. It, it uh, oh, I can't even remember the, the exact, it's in Galatians where it, the person who endures, the person who endures, the person who endures. Why? Because, because Jesus did it. And there's an enemy that doesn't want you to do it. And he sets roadblocks. And that nice straight path, there's a, there's a dip. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. God has a purpose. And along with a purpose for your life, he has a plan for you to walk into. And walk in. And the enemy of our soul, does not want you to succeed and finish your race. He does not want you to finish your course that has been set for you. And so he comes and he throws things in your to try to do what? Make you lose your faith. When, when Paul wrote to Timothy, and we, we shared this passage before, where he says, you know those words of prophecy, those promises that were stated over, use those words to fight the good fight. And then he says, keeping your faith. Keeping your faith. Because those, it's, he says this, because those who have given up their faith become shipwrecked. And so this morning, in the last five minutes, <laughs> I, I want to give you two or three ways to keep your faith. The opposite of faith is doubt. See, our enemy wants to throw doubt you think about um, the children of Israel getting ready to enter the promised land. The, the 12 spies go in. Awesome promise. Awesome land. And then it's but. 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 They, fear took a hold of them and they started to doubt. And they literally discouraged the heart of the people. And they gave up on the promise. One of their greatest fears is they, our children and our wives will be prey to the enemy. Do you realize if they would have stayed in the faith, in trust, their children and wives would have been safer than what ended up happening? Sometimes the, the challenge to hold our faith can rock us to our core. But if we hang in there, if we keep the faith, we'll be in the will, the plan, the purpose of God for our lives, and it's safer than throwing in the towel and turning on Netflix. 
It's safer than throwing in the towel and giving up and just say, man, this is just so hard. I, I think I'm going to go with the easy, the easy road. It's more dangerous on the easy road than hanging in, trusting, putting our confidence. It's safer staying with God, hanging on to that anchor than it is letting it go and taking the easy road. The children of Israel, they said, our, our wives, our children will be prey to the enemy. And within 40 years, that whole generation was gone. Yet Joshua and Caleb persevered. And their, <laughs> Caleb's daughters in, inherited an amazing piece of property. <laughs> so hang, okay, I got to get to these principles. I'm just going to actually, I'm to, to go through these principles, I want to go 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. See, Paul has just described to Timothy these challenges that he's went through. And then he says, for which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for, I want to go through this. And I've, I don't know if you've ever done different translations. I made my own translation. Yes. I, I went to the Greek and I thought, I can do just as good as these guys. So, for, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate for you. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that, what I have committed to him. Until that. Here's Daniel's version. Because of my deep, intimate connection to my creator who knows me best who created me with a purpose and he has a plan for my life because of this relationship I have developed trust and confidence in my creator that he knows me he knows what's best for me he knows every situation I've faced and he will not allow more than I can handle Amen? Because of this trust relationship, I am fully persuaded. I am full of conviction. I am fully convinced of the abilities and the capabilities of my creator and that he is able to keep me, to guard me, to hold me. Because of this trust relationship, this leads me to obedience. A huge key in faith, obedience. A course in life that may not be easy. It may not be simple. It may not be clean and tidy. But because of this relationship, when I am faced with those situations... And I may not understand, I am driven to seek him. Why? Because I trust him. I am driven to pursue him. Why? Because I am fully confident in his capabilities. That he is able 
to, to, to take a hold of those things that I might be fearful of. The financial security of my family. Giving up my job and going into ministry. Giving it all up. Why? Because I'm convinced that it's safer to be in his plan and in his purpose than try to do something on my own, in my own way, according to my own wisdom and my own strength. And it's not easy. It's not tidy. It's been messy. It's been challenging. But I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able. Where does this, what is this persuasion? See, if we, here's a question we almost, a lot of us have. Do I have enough faith? Have you, I don't know. How many of you have ever asked that question? Because what happens, though, when we ask that question, is it do I? The focus turns to me. Do I have? And what I have discovered in, in my study times, I'd rather focus on the unbelief and say, how do I get rid of that? Because here's what happens. If I can deal with the unbelief, the doubt, literally, I am pushing out, I'm literally growing my faith by focusing on my doubts and my fears. And as I do that, I push out the doubt. It's, it's, not, it's not sin to have both sides of those things. Think of Thomas. What's his nickname? Doubting Thomas. But he was a believer. He was a disciple. And Jesus didn't condemn him. He said, just believe. <laughs> Take a look at my hands. And he said, just believe. Here, if you just believe, that's all you're doing. I don't know if you get that. Just believe. There's no room for anything else. Just believe. Just, if you will only believe, only. That means when thoughts of doubt, fear, fear comes up. Fear is probably the trigger point. All of a sudden, negative news, negative circumstance, negative something. And all of a sudden, deer caught in headlights. We, we stop. We get paralyzed. What do I do? And guess what? The enemy puts doubt. Maybe God didn't really want you to go this direction. Maybe, you know, I don't know why this happened to you. Maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe, and all of a sudden, fear turns into doubt. The man who brought his son to Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine the disciples? It says that when the, when the boy, the, the, a boy that had, was possessed by a demon, came towards Jesus. It says literally that the demon, it's, Luke says, slammed him to the ground. He started convulsing and foam was coming out of his mouth. Now, what would you do? Just think of Jesus is gone. He's been gone. He's up with Peter, James, and John in the mountain. He's having a mountaintop experience. And his disciples, 
Uh, I've had it happen. I was in Vietnam. I don't know if you, Pastor Nelson, you remember. And Pastor Nelson was praying over on the left side. I'm standing here on the right side. And they, they, they bring this person for prayer to me. And it was back in the day when you could touch somebody. So I know that was a long time ago. But I, I touched the person, and they went flying to the ground. And then they just started shaking. And you know what I did? I went, I touched them. They went, I just, whoa, I jumped back. <laughs> Until I got my bearings, right? But can you imagine the disciples? This guy comes to them, and he's laying on the ground, convulsing. Because it said that, that when the man came to Jesus, that's when the, 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 the demon triggered this. In this. Can you imagine what were the disciples thinking? They probably thought, where's Jesus? <laughs> and Jesus, at the end of it, when the disciples asked, why couldn't we heal him? Jesus said, because of your doubt. When you get faced with a situation, the first thing that comes is doubt. Doubt comes and hits you right in the face and says, you can't handle this. There must be something wrong. And he condemns your faith. But you know, we all have a measure of faith. We have all been blessed with a measure of faith. And in that moment, they have faith and they have doubt all at the same time. Abraham was faced with doubt. And it says he, he wavered not. Why? Because he, he had this, again, with, with our youth, it always circles back to our relationship with God. Because he knew, he knew who he was, he had believed. And he was persuaded that what God said he would perform. And so in James, it talks about the double-minded man. It literally is specifically talking about doubt. And the first few verses are consider, count it all joy when you fall into diverse challenges and temptations and afflictions. Why? Because the trying of your faith, the challenges to your faith can cause double-mindedness. It creates doubt. But if you endure... If you count, literally analyze, compartmentalize, check off the list. If you count, if you examine yourself and literally stay focused on your faith. Focused, looking, I went through it last week, looking unto Jesus. If we will focus because double-mindedness wants to hit us. If you stay in double-mindedness, you become unstable in all your ways. But if you recognize the doubt as it comes through the door, you can deal with it. You can deal with it. And what happens is you push doubt out the door by Doing the things that build your faith. What things? Three things. Build your faith that I 
we'll share this morning with you. <laughs> the word of God. What does the word of God do? Jesus said, now you are purged clean because of the word. The words that I have spoken over you. Those things in your life that rob, that steal, that, that nag at, you can, the word of God cleanses you, purges you. So get into the word, get into God's word, because as you do, you're filling, you're filling, and as you're filling, you're pushing out, you're cleansing yourself, and you're pushing out those things that feed doubt. If, and I'll just use an example, because sometimes I get home, and I'm tired, and I want to just watch TV all night, and we'll put on Netflix, and we'll just watch some episodes of whatever. If, if I instead say, man, that was a hard day. I need just maybe take a little bit of time to think about my day, examine my day, just catalog the things that I went through today, and let God just deal with my heart, deal with my mind. If I take a little bit of time to refocus and allow God and his word to cleanse me, purge me. By the time I go to bed, I'm going to be in much better shape than if I spent four hours watching TV. Amen? The word count it, count it, literally means analyze catalog, make an evaluation. Take a look at your day before, after. Take a few moments and allow his word to deal with some of the stuff you went through during your day. And let him purge you and cleanse you. Because then you become more fruitful. Amen? Second thing, um, in the book of Jude, Jude, it talks about building your faith by praying in the Spirit. Now, for some of you or some of us, talking in tongues is a reality, and you pray in the Spirit that way, and it strengthens the inner man. You can pray in the Spirit by praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through your mind. Don't say, don't say, okay, I can't, I don't speak in tongues, so that doesn't apply to me. No. Pray and allow the Holy Spirit to come and put his thoughts into your spirit into your mind and take time to commune it's important that we commune because it's jude says that as we commune as we pray in the spirit we are literally building our faith and as you do that as you build your faith you are automatically pushing out doubt And the last thing, 
when Jesus finished with his disciples, he had cast out the demon. And, and he said to them, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. I believe not only was he referencing the demon that came out, but he specifically says this kind comes out. He says right after his sentence about doubt. He talks to them and he says, it's because of your doubt, your unbelief. And then literally he says, and this kind comes out by prayer and by fasting. I believe if you take time to fast and pray, you're automatically in your fasting experience, you are drawn closer to our Lord, our God. You are drawn closer. And as you are drawn closer, that relationship gets tighter. And that through that intimate, deep relationship comes a greater persuasion. You will fulfill that scripture. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. And you can, you can walk into situations that used to knock you on your butt. You can walk into situations that literally used to rock you to the core. You can walk in. But because now you have built in this persuasion of who I believe, those situations will not shake you. You will walk with confidence and you can say, peace, peace. That's what that that person <laughs> that I had prayed for in Vietnam, they felt and they were they were vibrating. And I, I mean, I got caught off guard. I stepped back because, wow, that happened. And I caught my bearings and I literally went over to them. And I put my hand on their head and I said, peace. And literally the peace of God came. And instead of shaking, they just. And the atmosphere of heaven whew, invaded, invaded. And that can be you and me. Situations that used to knock you out for days. Situations that used to harass your mind. People that used to irritate. And you would stay up at night having conversations with them in your mind. It won't rattle you. It won't rattle you but rather the peace of God. The peace of God will rule your heart and your mind. And I always circle back. Hebrews chapter 12. Consider Jesus and how he was faced by contrary by sinners, lest you grow weary in your mind, but rather God keeps those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. 
in the middle of a raging storm, you can be calm. You can be at peace. Why? Because I'm fully persuaded. My trust, my confidence, my conviction is on this solid rock called Christ Jesus. And because that foundation is sure, that foundation is true, I can go through any situation and I can be at peace because my faith is rock solid and doubt has nowhere to creep in. Doubt has nowhere to go because this house is full already. This house is full, and there's no room for the doubt to creep in. Amen? Faith. Build your faith. Get into God's word. I've probably said it every time I preach, because it always comes back to relationship with God, his word, his, your kind of communion with him. Dedicate some time. Fasting doesn't have to always be about food. There's things in your life. That maybe sometimes God wants you, hey, just stop that for a while and focus on me. And as you stop that for a while, it becomes less actually enticing. And then you finish your fast and it's like, I can actually do without that. And you've purged yourself from something. So take some time. If God asks you to fast, say, God, what are you wanting me to fast from? Coffee. Oh, no, that's not God. <laughs> boy i really heard wrong that time <laughs> no but sometimes there's things in your life that you end up depending on there are people i'm done there i'll say it there are people that depend on certain things in life to help just calm them where god is saying hey let's get rid of that and let's focus on me. And as you set your mind on me, I'll keep you in perfect peace. And there's a new way of handling things. And doubt is out. <laughs> I had to throw that in. I was thinking about that all message. How do I get doubt and out? And I did it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Can you receive that this morning? Amen. Amen. To all you who have suffered online listening to me, thank you. God bless you. And I'm just going to pray real quick. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, let your peace be upon your people this week. Bless them. Keep them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have an awesome afternoon. The sun is going to come out.